Teamwork, guys. More teamwork. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast. Here's Art and Caleb. It's between the stammers, February 5th, 2020. Canucks drop two in a row on this road trip they're on. The trade deadline is fast approaching. Uh, the Super Bowl's in the books. And Caleb Kirby has a best friend in Buffalo. <laughs> Where should we start? I, I think we should start with Buffalo, man. Dwayne is my spirit animal. So this week, uh, Caleb Kirby came across maybe his most favorite. I don't want to speak for you. It made my day. Yeah. It, it honestly made my day. That was on Friday. I was laughing my head off. I heard it first thing in the morning. And, like, I, I could have been hit by a bus that day <laughs> and, like, still been like, this is hilarious. And this, like, had just a positive attitude because I know now that misery across all sports <laughs> is very, very similar. And Dwayne, man, like, that guy, what he says, his rant about the Sabres is – just so if you haven't heard it we got it for you here so Dwayne Allen Steinel who's now a hero in Buffalo he called he's a lifelong Sabres fan he called into the shop and bulldog show on WGR 5 which how good is that show like sports show with a guy named the bulldog too by the way it's just it's perfect you know what? I give him a lot of credit for not jumping in either. Right? Yeah, like just letting this guy rip. Realizing that this guy is like on the edge. Dude, let her rip, man. Yeah, I'll let her rip. So uh, I guess this was last Friday. It went viral. If you haven't heard it, here it is. Dwayne is going to lead us off this segment. Hi, Dwayne. Thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, thanks, Bulldog. Thanks, guys. Uh, if you just give me a, a few, like a minute here, just to, like, I'll try and organize my thoughts as best I can. I'm just, you know, I've, you know, I've, the 24 years they've been in that arena, I think in some form of capacity, I've been a season ticket holder for about 15 of those years. You know, I started my first hockey card with Brad May. My first jersey was Pat LaFontaine. I idolized Dominic Kashuk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kashuk. I, you know, I work for Hashik Foundation now as, as, as a coach. And, you know, I, my life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey you know, I, I went to the finals games as a kid with my dad. I watched Jeff Sanderson score with one arm around Eddie, around Ed Belfour. And, you know, I have so many yep. great moments to talk about with this hockey team. And, like, I, I just – I'm surprised the organization remembered to wish Dominic Kashuk a happy birthday today. I'll put it that way. I just it, – it's so mind-boggling how we've fallen this far. And, like – I don't need. I, I I was cautiously optimistic coming into this season because I wasn't fully expecting playoffs, but I was happy with the way the season started because the competitiveness was there. Last year was misery, a hundred percent. After the ten game streak, it was absolute misery because the competitive is the passion was not there, and it's been there. And then they go out and lay an egg last night in front of me. I was, of course, I was at the game. First time I went to a game with my sister, by the way, and she had to <laughs> sit there through that. And it's just, it's mind-blowing. Like, I, I don't need a Jerry Jones type of owner. Like, I need an owner who's going to answer the fans when they misspell names on jerseys and have Chinese knockoffs on alumni. Like, what is going on? Like, what are we doing? Like, I don't understand it, man. Like, Bulldog, you, you lived through this. You've seen it. Like, have you ever been, like, have they ever sucked a passion out of you like they have me? <laughs> I've dedicated my life to hockey because of this team. Like, I can't do it anymore, man. Like, like I'm seriously for the first time considering just not being a season ticket holder this year. Like, we're, like I, I, even when the team was terrible, Ted Black would come on the station and talk to fans and address concerns. I don't need the, the, the I don't need a damn camera in front of Terry Pagula every single day. But address our concerns. Be there when when you screw up. Answer for the mistakes. Be accountable. You know, this, like Pat LaFontaine being forced out of, the, out of the organization, you know, five years ago, however long it was. Like, I don't need an explanation, but it's just been mediocrity. It's, it's almost worse than the Bills drought. Like, like, and you know what? As, as, I don't know what people's opinions of the man were, you know, with Russ Brandon, but if Russ Brandon was running the team still, I highly doubt he would have allowed Chinese knockoff jerseys to be worn by Danny Garrett at Turkey Drive. 
I went down on the ice. The goat head. Missing deadlines. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is it? Like, I, 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 don't, I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as this team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, go hide in your house in Florida. Like, what is this? Get in front of the camera and at least make us feel that we, that we matter, that we matter to you. Like, I'm sick of it, Bulldog. I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just devolving. <laughs> that man is on the edge, dude. That guy, oh, the way his voice cracks at the end. That we matter. That we matter to you. <laughs> oh. So uh, We've been there, though, right? As Canucks fans, we've been there, too. Sabres and Canucks both in their 50th year. Right? Canucks at least like look like, you know, we have a chance. Wheels have already fallen off in Buffalo. This poor guy, he's been a fan his entire life, right? He sees alumni day fake jerseys on like guys like Anderchuk, spelling his name wrong. Anderchuk has to go out there in like an alumni jersey with the name on his back spelt wrong. Like I get his frustration. Yeah, at least but though as a Canucks fan, we don't really have an issue with how you know how I mean, yes, of course, people have issues with how the team uh, has been run with Trevor Linning, you know, getting forced out, all that stuff. But at least it's still like a well-run organization. Like this is that's that's embarrassing. Dog and pony show shit. Yeah, yeah, like it's it is bad. Yeah, you know, and you feel for him. You feel for the guy. And especially in Buffalo, man, the Bills suck too. And he even brings the Bills up. Well, the Bills had a good year. The Bills had a good year. Yeah, I know, but like. They've sucked perennially. Yeah, yeah. They right? just like made it to the playoffs for the first time in I don't know how many years, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is your spirit animal. I just feel this guy's pain, man. Like <laughs> I feel it. You know. And they're like a good ten points out of the playoffs. They started off really hot. Too. They did start off hot, and like everybody thought at the beginning of this year, they're like, "Watch out for Buffalo." Everybody was saying it. Watch out for Buffalo. Off out. Watch out for Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Me included. Yeah. And uh, you haven't quite had rants like that on the, between the Stammers, but you have been upset, for sure. Uh, I think my closest was the time I unloaded on Louie last season, which was cathartic. It felt great. <laughs> yeah. But that's about it, man. Like, this guy. I think you unloaded on the power play pretty good last year, oh, too. That was, that's yeah. a little foreshadowing for today's episode, I think, because uh, I, I got something up. in the gun here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the Canucks, uh, they're on this uh, East Road trip, and it started off really hot, really nicely. You know, wins in San Jose, wins in, win in uh, New York, New York, which really I didn't expect. You said uh, they went up 3-1 in that game against the Islanders, and I was like, man, they're going to win this game. They held on to win it. And then they lost in Carolina, which I didn't expect them to win that game either. No, I didn't either. Yeah, but... Uh, you know, I was. That's when I was like watching the team. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm watching this team play. And you know, they almost pulled out another, you know, early morning game on a back-to-back night. I'm like, this, this team's got something. They this got year. a point out of it. Yeah, man. they got a point out of yeah. it, which is huge. That makes them 500 on the road trip. Just those three games, right? Yeah. The points there. And then they play one of the toughest teams in the NHL, in the Boston Bruins. <sighs> they lose four nothing. The game wasn't a four nothing game though. Like, I feel like the Canucks just ran out of gas there in the third period. Right? Well, like, the game was more of like a 2 nothing game. It was closer than what the score showed. First off, that fucking goal was offside. The one nothing goal, and it wasn't even close. And anybody who's buying the excuse that the NHL's selling right now is an idiot. So here's the explanation from the NHL situation room on the coil goal. Key is that McAvoy wasn't touching the puck when Corrali tagged up. Bullshit. It was determined that Boston's Sean Corrali legally tagged up at the blue line prior to Charlie McAvoy entering the offensive zone, touching the puck. According to Patrick Johnston, the sequence here matters. The puck can be in the zone offside, but the key is McAvoy enters the zone. He doesn't enter the zone until his back foot is in. By that time, the other guy had cleared. It's essentially like a dump in. It's bullshit. It's not a dumping because McAvoy's in possession of the puck. That's the whole idea of it. He has. It doesn't matter if the puck is. It touching doesn't matter his, if he's touching. It, it doesn't matter if the puck 
puck is touching his stick or not, the guy is stick handling, and the puck at that moment on the screen when they pause it, oh, his stick isn't touching it? Mm. Give me a fucking break. Like, that puck isn't a dump in, man. McAvoy has that puck on the stick, and he's doing stuff with it, and for that split second, it's not there. It's not even remotely close to a dump in. It is offside, and it shouldn't have counted. According to Johnson, I know it's a mind bender, but McAvoy actually conceded control for a moment Bullshit. Creating a dump-in scenario. Everyone tagged up. His stick was not in contact with the puck while the other guy was offside. Then he collected the puck. The tightest interpretation I've ever seen. Crap. Fucking garbage. Nine times out of ten, if a ref sees that, he calls that offside. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. You know, I don't and like. Then they go I don't like. They this. go ticky tack to the Toronto Situation Room, and we get an explanation like that. That is garbage. And I'm, I'm with. If it's clearly a dump in, I'll agree. And I'm but with, it's not. I'm with people who like. You know, let's let's make it consistent. We have the we have the technology. Let's get it right. But I don't like this. I hate it. I don't like going back and taking back goals because of a close play like this that you see on the blue line. Like, if it's on the goal line, that's different. You imagine if that's game seven in a playoff series? Yeah. How would you feel? Yeah. Wouldn't like it. Fucking, like, just because you... Whatever. It wasn't a goal. Like, it shouldn't have been a goal. I just don't like the position that we've been put in. Yeah, I know. As people watching the game. Thanks, I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it. I just don't even like it. even the Boston Bruins were saying that was offside. Jack Edwards, biggest homer of all time, who's hilarious too, by the way. The, the Nesson guys, yeah. But like, he was like, "Yeah, that was offside." Like, I don't understand how this isn't offside. Anybody who's played the game knows, like, you can't be doing that when you have possession of the puck. It doesn't mean the puck is always on your stick. He was straddling the line. He had the puck in control enough that that should have been an offside call. Any day of the week. Fucking Toronto, man. I don't get it. No, I just don't like have I don't like after a goal is scored, we saw it on the ice, and then we have to go back and look at it. Look at it. Like this. Something tight like this on yeah. the blue line. If it was the other way around and the Canucks the Canucks were coming in like that and you know the goal was called I, I just wouldn't I just don't like it. I don't I hate fucking it. like it. I hate it. It pisses me it off. It shouldn't uh, we shouldn't be reviewing offsides. We should not be reviewing offsides. We should just review did the puck go over the goddamn line on the yeah, goal. The goal line. Right? Yeah. That's the only thing we should review. Put every single fucking camera on that goal line. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. 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 I don't like it either. I just don't like it. Crap. Yeah. And now we get this, right? Yeah. And now your blood boils cuz you're watching it and you're like why isn't this being interpreted correctly? Mm-hmm. And then you get the well actually in Toronto being like, eh, it's kind of like a dump-in. It's like, yeah, is it? Is it kind of like a dump-in? That's like the catch-not-catch catch rule. That's 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 what it, that's yeah, what it feels it, like. It does. Yeah, that's what yeah. it feels like. Yeah, it does. If it looks like a catch, it is a catch, right? <sighs> oh, it's yeah, it's it sucks. And instant replay on things like that just it just it's not it's not good for the viewer. It's not good for anybody. I don't like it. And but whatever. That's not the reason the Canucks lost last night. No, Canucks lost last night because they were playing, like, a top-tier NHL team. Mm -hmm. They're almost done this road trip. They looked out of gas, and that power play is atrocious right now. Markstrom did his part, man. Absolutely. He made, like, almost 10 five-alarm saves in this game. And a lot of them on on the power play. Yeah, on the power play. Like, how many breaks did Boston get on the power play? And how is, like, Newell Brown... Still, like, this guy who everybody calls a guru, how has he not figured out what teams are doing in this power play? It's easy. You can see it a mile away. Everybody's rushing the point because that's they know that's how the Canucks are working it around. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, you got to get down low. You got to get Bo Horvat up against the boards down low or in behind the net to work it between Bo, Petey, and Besser, right? Everybody's rushing up high, and they keep turning it over. And it was like that in New York. And you could see it. You're like, okay, they've learned how to defend against this power play. You saw it again in, well, did they? No, I don't even think the Canucks had a power play in Carolina, did they? Maybe not. But the way Carolina was playing them, they were up at their D-men all the time. And then Boston last night, you're like, you got, you guys got to change how you're working this around here. And you got to shoot the goddamn puck, right? Like, even with all you're saying, the Canucks are 
eighth in the NHL in power play. Because their power play was red hot for like two months. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, teams have figured it out. You got to learn how to adapt here. Mm-hmm. And we're they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Remember at the beginning of the year too, like they were getting greasy goals on the power play. Guys would shoot the puck, and JT Miller would be like, "Ooh, look at that! I'm gonna tip that," or like. Oh, it bounced off the goaltender's pads. Oh, bank it in. But now nobody's even shooting. The only guys who are shooting are like Hughes and Vertanen. Right? Yeah. You got Besser and Petey on both sides. Like those guys on the power play need to be better. Those two specifically. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody's all over Pedersen because they they look at him as a shooting threat. Mm-hmm. But like it's not rocket science. Yeah. You know? Put it on net, put it low, go for a rebound, scoop the puck in. I'm not going to get too upset over this loss. No, I'm not, I'm not upset I'm not. about the loss. I'm just, like, upset about the fact that they're like, oh, you know, why isn't this working? And it's like, it's obvious why it isn't working. Fix your fucking power play. Yeah. They they would have had a chance in that game if they would have had some semblance of, like, like any, like, chances on, on, that, on that power play. It, it's just... That power play was atrocious, and it's been like that for a while. It's stale. It needs a correction. Mm-hmm. And even today, on the ice in practice, like Vertanen and Besser were out there before everybody else shooting from inside the circles because they know, like, it's like, this is how you're going to have to get this done. Low and hard, right? Get in the circle, get near the faceoff dot, low and hard on the net. Bruins are good. Like yeah. they're 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 good on the power play. They are they're good. they're top three. They have a top three penalty kill, and they have the second best power play. So like that, like they are dialed special teams wise, and that's just another lesson for the Canucks. I think really that's what the game against Boston but like, there was a was it was a lesson. But like I honestly didn't think Boston defended better than the Islanders did. Right. Like when the Canucks were playing the Islanders, I'm like, man, they can't get a sniff in front of that net. Mm-hmm. Like Islanders are boxing them out. They're playing great hockey. All the Canucks shots are coming from outside angles, right? And Canucks ended up with a win, and it was great, right? And I'm like, this Islanders team is good. Canucks played Boston last night. Nobody was really even going to the net, right? Like, it, and that's the thing that kind of bugged me about it. I'm like, there's opportunities to get there. But the Canucks are kind of playing this tentative game, and no one's really going there. And I, I thought last night, even though the loss doesn't bug me standings-wise or anything like that, I just thought they could have played better as far as their like offensive offensive zone game was concerned. JT Miller had some interesting comments after the game. He said, quote, I don't think they're anything special. Talking about Boston, they're a good team. No one is sitting here saying, oh, man, we're playing this team tonight. We're a good hockey team. We should have swag about it. We've proven we can beat any team in the league. That he's right. After the 4 nothing loss. He's right, though. Is he not? No, I, I agree that he's right. I do think that the team ran out of gas in the third period. Absolutely. They had a, you know, maybe something goes right for them in the first two periods. Like, um, you know, maybe they get a goal. Like an offside goal call? Sure. No, maybe they're able to plug through. We we watch a different game, I thought, near the end there. It wasn't actually a 4 nothing game. It was more of like a 2 nothing game. That's what I thought. Also, the Grizzly hit on Pedersen was bullshit. Okay, so yeah, that's that's, that's the other thing I want to talk about going out of this, uh, in from this game. Uh, You saw the hit. What do you think? It's I thought it was late. bullshit. It's late, right? It's like it's exactly what everybody's talking about. Like when Matheson slammed Petey down last year, this was like a slew foot late type of hit where he like basically made Petey fall backwards in a vulnerable position, right? Did I think Petey was hurt on the play? I was like, fuck, like it's taken him a while to get up, but that was late. Like not only was it late, but it was dirty, you know? It's not a concussion type of hit, but it's it's definitely cheap and it shouldn't have happened. At least call at least call a minor on it, right? But no call, you know. And then the thing that bugs me even more about it is the fact that again the Canucks like and I've hammered on this topic over and over and over again, but like that is your star. That's your like he him and Hughes are like the two guys. Like if anybody like breathes on those guys wrong, somebody should just fly in chucking knocks. At, at whoever does it. Now, Grizzlick was, like, apologizing to PD on the ice, like, right after it happened. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and there was some, you know, there was a little bit of uh, why I oughta at the end of the play, but. Yeah, like, know. Jake Vertanen's yeah. on the sideball. Yeah. Sidewall, Jake and his Vertanen, 
rather than going over there and doing anything about it. He should have been he should have flown in there and and shed his mitts and gone after him right away. Mm-hmm. Why like why do we do this as 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 a team all the time? Like what's it going to take for a Canuck player to answer the bell on some of these like cheap bullshit fucking plays? Travis Green wasn't happy about it either. I'm so frustrated with that. This guy's one of the best young players in the league. Um, and he gets hit, and he's totally defenseless. Or defend, He's got, you know, it's two seconds after the, after he lets go of the puck. I've watched it a couple times. He's unassuming. He does has no, um, you know, he's defenseless. And he feels like there's no way he's going to get hit in that spot. He's in a vulnerable position. Those are hit the, the hits that the league is trying to get out of the game, especially against top top young guys, top players in the league. And I think Petey's shown that he's one of those guys. And it is frustrating for me as a coach to see some of the abuse he takes where he doesn't get called and he's, he works through it. He's, he gets frustrated, and I know they keep, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but that doesn't mean you can take uh, advantage. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he didn't like that hit. Uh, no penalty on the hit as well. Uh, saw pretty interesting. You said like he apologized to him, but yeah. why did he hit him in the first place? Yeah. Right. Finishing his check, I guess, but it was seconds after. There was really no There's reason no to do it. There's no point in it. Yeah, there was no reason. to And do then it. again, like the other, other than you know this guy's the best player on the other team, and you want to you know yeah get in his grill, and right? The, like, ah, I don't know, man. I just I'm so like every time something like this happens, I just. I just go like, why doesn't this team answer? So like, talk- why don't they go after this guy or do something to be like, don't touch our star, do not touch him. So interesting stat from the Athletic Vancouver uh, concerning Pedersen and how he was because remember he was drawing a lot of penalties yeah. there for a while, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so according to their stats, the whistles have dried up. With Pedersen. Through the first 27 games of the season, or through November 30th, Pedersen had drawn 16 penalties, a total that tied him for second among NHL leaders in penalties drawn with Jack Eichel and Connor McDavid. In the 27 games since, Pedersen has drawn only eight penalties. It's not a split as suspicious as the rate Zidane Chara is penalized in the regular season versus the playoffs but it's in the neighborhood, and it's suggestive of Patterson not getting the benefit of the doubt from on-ice officials. That's according to Thomas Drantz. You know what pisses me off about all this, though, is it's just like I don't know what it is about the Canucks and, 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 and their lack of ability to stand up for their stars, and it goes back even to, like, Pavel Bure. Well, he had to, like, he had to go Like, Pavel Bure had to take matters into his own hands, yeah, right? True. Yeah. And it's like, what do you want to see Patterson out there skating at guys, elbowing him the head after he gets hit? I don't want to see that. I'd like to see a guy on his line who's like, don't ever do that again. If you do that again, I'm going to murder you. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm just... Uh, and we have guys I'm, on I'm, that team I'm who just, should answer the bell for him. I'm just and they wonder, don't. I'm and just it pisses wonder, me off. I'm just wondering if that exists at all in the NHL anymore, though. For other teams. When you watch other teams. What? Other, other teams stars. taking liberties with guys? No. Other team stars getting hit and then you're seeing their players step up for them. Absolutely. You're it, seeing it that. should happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen with every team. Yeah. Some teams are soft. I'm just saying we're softer than baby shit about. The Canucks are it. not the, Canucks the only are one team. Of them. The Canucks aren't the only team that this happens. I don't, it, but that doesn't yeah. matter. Why why does that matter that they're not the only no, team? No, that's but I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. I'm just saying the game is different now too. I'm not saying too. that you're saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying it shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter, but I'm saying that the league it also has to do with the discipline in the league because the league it ha- it's just with the Cassian thing, right? I don't it's know, like man. Players it, like is the league gonna discipline the players or allow this to happen to allow their best players to get cheap shotted? They've taken it out of the hands of the players. I'm not too, saying right? I'm not saying go after the guy with your your mitts out if he's not gonna combat you back, mm-hmm. right? If he turtles, don't punch him while he's on the ground or anything. But let them know. I just think you know? there is a gray and th- area there right there's now. There's this game right now that is being played. It's played with weapons. Mm-hmm. You know, there's sticks. You're skating on knives, basically. Like, the game is dangerous. Hockey's dangerous, right? And if somebody does something dangerous to your best player, 
you should go and make them pay for it. Right? And if and if you get a shot in, like if Cassian got a shot in on Kachuk, he dropped his mitts, got a shot in on, on Kachuk, and stopped there, or two shots or whatever, when the linesman came, it would have been fine. But Cassian kept going, and that's why he got his that's why he got his suspensions. Right? Yep. But he was seeing red there. Yep. You know? Yep. All I'm saying is we should have a guy who sees a little red too when somebody messes with our stars. It's never happened. It drives me crazy, Matt. I don't know if it's never happened, but yeah, it's um, it has been evident. You know, like Peyton how many liberties do players get? Like go back to the Duncan Keith elbow on on Daniel, and he was never the same after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sorry, maybe I am a little sensitive about this, but it's just like how many like how many times is our star going to get thrown to the ice before somebody does something about it? It's unreal. Canucks uh, finish up this road trip in Minnesota on Thursday night. Now, if they lose that game, still a successful road trip? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, Minnesota's a team that's ripe to beat, though. Like, I'd, I'd like to see them beat them, but it's it, it's in their own building, right? And you never know. That building, like, for years has been the toughest building to play in in the NHL. So Canucks still three points up in the division. Things are going pretty well for this club right now. Yeah, there was the loss against Boston, but, uh, you know, they had points. And, you know, in their last 10 games going into the last night's game, they were 7-2-1. and one. Like, Yeah. Really good. Like, this team is this team is, is rolling right now. So, But it, they're Fred they got to fix still. the power play. They're still Fred Durston. They do, like, it's not going to be perfect all the time. I understand that, but, yeah. like, it's, it's, you know... You got so much firepower on that power play, like and it and it's up to Besser and Petey to be better in their spots. They just need to get shots off through crowds, and it's mostly on them than than anybody else on that power play. They're distributing too much. Shoot the fucking puck, right? Yeah, yeah. You need and uh, uh, if you look at any other power play, all the best players they you know they run it so. Yeah, the Canucks definitely could be better there. But you know what? They're still in the top 10 in the power play. So, you know, they, they have done it right in the past this yeah. season. They can turn it around. No, you're right. They can. Yeah. They have the ability to turn it around. Yeah, they do have the ability. I don't know why I got a bee in my bonnet now. I'm just, I'm still stewing, I guess. I don't know. The trade deadline is approaching. Less than three weeks away. Uh, do you see the Canucks? Should the be Canu- should the Canucks do anything? Can they do anything? Would you like them to add anything? No, no. I think they're fine. I mean, like I, I was thinking about this not too long ago. Like Myers and in Fantenberg, that pairing's been taking a lot of crap. You know, and I didn't. It- I didn't love Myers on that second goal, the Marshawn goal last night. He stuck in no man's land. Well, he was Again. on the side of the net defending the other guy. That's yeah. that's up to that's up to the centerman. And Horvat was his stomach was he was laying down on the ice because he didn't get back. I just find Myers is in no man's land a lot. Yeah, a I lot mean, for a guy who's so big. He happens. He you know he he, he does these reaches with his stick, and yeah. as soon as he extends, he gets beat. But I mean, Canucks were zero for four on the power play against the Hurricanes. By the way, our third. Yeah. Okay, well there we go. Yeah. See. Yeah. And that must have all been in that third period because it felt like in that game they didn't get a power play forever. Mm-hmm. But um, Fattenberg, I think, is, you know, he's been really good. I think he's better than Ben. And that's well, there's why a reason playing, why Ben's not right? in the, yeah, yeah, why Ben's not in there. So, um, I mean, for a third pairing, it's fine. You just got to keep their minutes limited. Yeah, I'd right? really love for them to get another, you know, bona fide, like, second pairing defenseman for when there's an injury. Like, it's going to happen probably at some point. To get another guy there that could eat a lot yeah, of minutes. Yeah, we can't afford it. Though. I know, I know. That's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because I think that's what this team really needs down the stretch here. Will need down the stretch here at some point. Well, yeah, that and some toughness. Yeah. We get into playoffs, man. Like, are we going to get folded like that if the Canucks make playoffs? Yeah. I don't know. That, I just, but but why, that's, that, that's a lesson this team has to learn. Yeah, why right? can't we be ever be the team that's doling it out rather than taking it? Every single game, every single year, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, like, the fourth line kind of came alive last night, started throwing hits for a little bit, and then 
Boston countered, and then the Canucks folded again. You know, Mott out of the lineup. Schaller came in. He scored a goal against the was it uh, the Islanders? I was surprised by that. Yeah, he had he he knew he had to make he had to he had to make a mark because he had been out of the lineup so much. But I think the fourth line just it just isn't as good without Mott. Mott, there. Mott yeah, yeah, Mott drives it. Yeah, so Beagle's got a plate in his arm. He's still like second best face-off man in the league. I gotta and give I, it to I gotta give it to Beagle. That think, guy's been playing his ass off. I here. think Beagle too. Like yeah. he's a lot of people have been giving him crap too, and like he's gonna be valuable in the playoffs, man. Including me, I've given him crap, he, but I this this little run he has here in this last you know t- twenty games has been his best hockey as a Canuck. Yeah. He got a little feisty last night, actually. Yeah, you know what? I like that. When they were yeah. down three nothing, he drove the net hard on Tuka Rask, and I was I like yeah. that. I was like, this is, and I feel, and and we talked about this in the last pod. There is something different with this team. It doesn't feel the same as last year. They're not just going to fold, you know. Even in a game like that against the Bruins, seven people take right? liberties with their star players. <laughs> Sorry. But, like, come on. You know? Well. You're Travis right, though. Green, like, they've Travis been Green. playing well. They, 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 you know, they haven't folded in, in, in high-pressure situations, and they've come back and made other teams pay for it on the scoreboard. They have. Yeah. They have. And PD's playing exceptionally well right now. Like, whenever he's out there, they're, they're I mean – Maybe not as much last night because, you know, they're going against Marchand and Bergeron and, like, you know, really tough team to play against. But for the most part, that first line has been dominating. Absolutely yeah. dominant. Like, they dominated when they, when they were playing against Carolina, man. Like, they had the puck the entire game. Yep. There's, there's a lot of positives going on with this team right now. That's why I'm not going to get my whole being a bonnet for one game. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to get upset enough. about it. Fair enough. And hopefully they bounce back with a good effort here against Minnesota before, uh, I think it's Calgary on Saturday. I'd really like to right? see them finish this trip strong. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. be nice, right? Yeah. It, it, but it'd be also easy to look ahead to that Saturday night game against yeah. Calgary, right? Yeah. Divisional opponent. At Calgary, though, I don't know. I'm hearing some rumors about Mark Giordano being hurt. Yeah. You know, Hamstring. Yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. He's, yeah. he's, he's a key piece on that team. Um, yeah. Calgary is one of those teams that's sitting in, well, they were in a playoff spot. I don't think they are right now. But uh, they're one of those teams that's sitting in the standings, and their goal differential is such a glaring statistic compared to almost all the other teams that were sitting in a playoff spot. You know? like, yeah. And you rarely see a team make it in the playoffs with that bad of a goal differential. So I, I do wonder about the Flames. I don't know if they're they're for real. They... Mm-hmm. They seem like they seem like a lot of stuff was going right for them last year when they kind of made that run and and was was first in the division, mm-hmm. but this year like it just it just feels different for them even though they haven't made too too many changes right kind of like it feels different for the Canucks yeah. I believe that I really do so yeah I'm not gonna get all over one game I just like I you know it's just classic Canucks that we go out and we get a guy like Michael Furland to add to that toughness and 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 try and carve out an identity and then of course he gets hurt like our big free agent acquisitions they always get hurt their first year or something ridiculous happens I think he was brought up in the broadcast actually because they were wondering you know like when is he going to get back in to this lineup I think it's pretty clear that he's not Dude, right? he, that guy might never play hockey again yeah which I actually said on this podcast. I got some flack for it. No. But I did say it. So, yeah, uh, Calgary minus 19 on the season. Canucks, by comparison, plus 14. So that's a pretty big stat. Pretty big stat. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, I just wanted to kind of get this out there. I don't think I'm the only one saying it, but should this guy be in the Vesna conversation? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, we should start talking about that. We should also start talking about Quinn Hughes maybe being in the Norris Trophy conversation. Uh, I don't right? think anyone's beaten John Carlson there. No, he's not going to win. But, uh, but I mean, at some point, you got to talk about it. Like, this kid is... I remember Jason Botchford wrote an article about how about Elias Patterson and how he changed everything for the Canucks. Do you remember that headline? He's like, how Elias Patterson changed everything for the Canucks. He gave us hope. 
Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a really killed point. killed our inner Dwayne's from Buffalo. It's one of his best. I think it's one of his best articles he's written in, I agree in with best that, decade. Yeah. And I think if he were alive today, he could write an article saying how Quinn Hughes has changed everything as well, right? Yeah, it's kind of a story that everyone's talking about, but no one's really like made like a huge huge splash with it because mm-hmm. like I don't know, maybe we are still riding like a high. You know, but two years in a row, we've had one of the best players just hop in and enter the league and be an absolute stud. And you're right. On the back end, Quinn Hughes has changed everything. And and he's made Tanev better. Like, that pairing of him and Tanev, like, you can see it in the way Tanev's playing right now. Like, he's got more confidence. And Hughes, I, I, I'm watching Nolan Baumgartner, like, moving Hughes around with different players to, like, get them going. Yeah. Right. Like it's yeah. it's it's incredible what this kid's being asked to do, at this age. Yeah. It really is, and run the power play. Yeah. And he's doing it just mightily fine. Well. You know. Yeah. I, the power play's not on him right now. He's doing fine with it. Oh, that power play's just—it's the bane of my existence right now. It's gonna get better. It's gonna get better. There's too much talent there not for it not to get better. Yeah. Uh, you watched that Super Bowl. Yeah. What do you think? Because we, I think, and sorry, Rich, uh, Rich couldn't join us today for this podcast, but uh, sorry, Rich, huge 49ers uh, supporter there. Yeah, I was cheering sorry, for you. I was cheering for you. I wasn't. I was cheering for Andy Reid. Were you? Yeah. Super Mario? I don't know. Well, you know, it's just the Walrus, he, he deserved one, in my opinion. He, I, I think he's been one of the greatest coaches in the league. Players love him. He's always been like, one of those guys who's like, you know, almost at the top of the mountain and just has never gotten there, and I'm happy for him. I guess so. The Patriots have played him so many times that I've cheered against him. It's kind of hard for me to cheer for him. You never felt bad for him? You're not like, you're never like, this guy has a good team and he's a good coach? And no? I'll concede. His, he's a great coach, great offensive coach. His, his team has been in, you know, the top three of offenses for as long as I can remember. Man, there are some teams that he had in Philly when he was the coach of the Eagles where I was like, this team has got to win a Super Bowl. Like, I don't understand why they can't get it done. And they never got it done. But um, I'm so glad he he has a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And I think the the Chiefs are just getting started, man. How about the 49ers blowing that lead in the fourth quarter? Okay, that's, that's a question for you. Did... The Chiefs win it or the 49ers lose it? Chiefs won it. Yeah. I'll, say, I'll tell you why. Okay. Because the best quarterbacks in the league, when they get in a hurry up, you know, like, it makes the other team just shit his pants. And that defense, like, that San Fran defense is fantastic. And it was playing really well fantastic. up until that point. Fantastic. But yeah. as soon as Mahomes got in the hurry up, they couldn't keep up with them. And you could see it. They were getting tired. And it was like, as soon as he did it, he made him pay, scored a touchdown, you know, and then made the game within reach. He stopped doing it for a little while. And then as soon as he got back into it again, you know, they just started rolling. And I was just like, like, it doesn't give a defense time to think, right? They're tired, they're gassed, and then they also have to think about this guy calling plays at the line. How do you stop it when you're, when it's an elite guy like Mahomes? We saw, we've seen Brady do it before. I th- I used to think Peyton Manning was the best at it. I th- I still think he he probably has that title, right? But it's just like Aaron Rodgers you can't and Russell do Wilson are very good at yeah, it. Yeah, they're both well. very good at it too. Yeah, right. True. Uh, your viewing experience for the Super Bowl, how was it? It was good, man. I I, I enjoyed the booty off the halftime show. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I had a uh, few people text me about that about the halftime show. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Honestly, it's one of my favorite halftime shows I've watched in a long time. (laughs) I was into it. I put it right up there with the Prince one. I I still think the Prince one was probably a little bit better, but, like, the booty off was awesome. The booty off was good. And, like, scantily clad. Oh, man, when when Jayla was on that pole, I was like, this is just just another level right now. (laughs) (laughs) Art was feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I texted you something uh, about that. You're like. You said the ass shake was dialed or something like that. Yeah. The ass yeah. off was The ass shake off was dialed. Like those two were popular back. Like they're, they're old. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And age oh. is just a number. 
Yeah, this is what I, I said to you. I said, that was unreal. And then you're like, dude, I agree. I'm enthralled. And I wrote, I'm just horny. <laughs> Who is better, J-Lo or Shakira? Uh, I got to give it to Shakira. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I love Shakira, man. I always have. I don't know. Maybe they both look great. J Lo's got bangers, and J Lo's like fifty, man, and I she's know. up there and she's crushing it. Shakira's right? no spring chicken either. Yeah. Forty three. And I, I love how they both had like the Spanish part too. Like J Lo's like, yeah, I'm Puerto Rican. Look at me. She had her Puerto Rican flag in the background. She's crushing it. She had a verse in Spanish, and I was just like, I knew. I'm like, I, it was. I was watching it with a buddy, and I'm like, you think she's gonna do a song for Shakira? I'm like, you think she's gonna do a song in Spanish? And then she like. Unloaded with that like rapper guy who uh, did some I could have done rap. without the I could have done guy. without that guy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, right? And then as soon as she did it, you're like, oh, you know, Jayla's gonna have an answer. Yeah. And Jayla comes out and she answers with hers. She, uh, the guitar too. Did you were you watching that part where Shakira pulled out the guitar? You're like, what is she doing? And then like camera well, then- backs away. You're like. She's got a guitar. Was it a guitar? Then I thought she was like on a piano. No, after. she got on the drums. After. Oh, the drums. That's yeah. what it was. Like she's doing everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was a lot better than last year's. No offense to Adam Levine, who I, I like Adam Levine, but that was that was that was useless. It was no good. Yeah. Uh, that's Adam, that one was like right down low with like the Black Eyed Peas for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's the worst half. The Black Eyed Peas one seen. I think is the worst. Yeah. 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 I think that was like the was it 2010? Was that the year the the Steelers and the Packers were in the Super Bowl, I think. It was not good. And, um, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, man. I, I, I what, what do you think's your favorite halftime show? You, this is going to sound really arrogant. Here we go. Well, my team, the Patriots, are usually always in the Super Bowl, and I don't pay attention to the halftime show. Like, I'm too nervous. In the corner. I don't care about the halftime show. This one, Patriots weren't in it. I was really into it. See, you and I are opposite because my team, the Indianapolis Colts, were playing in the Super Bowl the year that Prince crushed it. Yeah. And Which I was at that same it. stadium. At actually. that same stadium. Yeah. yeah. The Hard Rock Stadium yeah. in Miami. And it was just pissing down rain. Yeah. And he's just shredding. Right? Yeah. I think uh, I, that's probably my favorite. I... Uh, I also liked, I think it was uh, Tom Petty Tom and the Petty Heartbreakers. Was good. Yeah, yeah, even though the Patriots lost that Super Bowl, and that's still the most heartbreaking loss. What about Nipplegate? Ever. Uh, Patriots were in that one. So I was really, I was like young. I was a young Patriots fan. That was Patriots in Carolina. Yeah, I was yeah. a young Patriots fan for that game. And I do remember the hubbub around that. I enjoyed it. Uh, I also like the uh, Lady Gaga one that happened a few years ago. Really? Yeah. I thought that one was okay. And I liked Katy Perry as well. I, but I was, like, watching those peripherally because I was really into the game, right? And I didn't. I was too nervous. I'm like, what's going on? Because the Patriots happen to play very tight games in the Super Bowl, always. I, I like the Gogs, but, like, I don't know, man. Sometimes she's just out there doing a Madonna impression, you know? And that, that Super Bowl halftime show just felt like a Madonna impression to me. Look at us critiquing, you know, performances. Well, we are in radio <laughs> art. I mean, this is kind of in our wheelhouse. So, right? Yeah. Just musically and, and theatrically. Like, I'm into a crap ton of concerts, mm-hmm. right? I don't really think, like, when I see La- Lady Gaga out there sometimes and people are like, oh, she's so innovative. I'm like, remember the 90s? Madonna's, you know, golden cone boobs. Gaga's just ripping it off, you know? Her music's great. Yeah. I, I think she's like could be a, a little hard on. I God. think she's a good artist, but like some of these live performances I've seen of her, I'm like, I've seen this before, you know, and and it just it feels like an imitation. So when the Super Bowl organizers decided to no longer pay their performances, their their performers, performers it changed. It became more commercial, like because now it's not about who's the best for the Super Bowl. It's who will do it for free. Pepsi right? pays them, though, don't they? No. No, man. Nobody hey. nobody gets paid anymore. Isn't it called the Pepsi Super Bowl halftime it show? It is, yeah. But so the Pepsi perform- doesn't pay their performance? No, the performers don't get paid for it. It's their, it's their promotion. It's their promotion. That's when, that's when it changed, right? From That's why we've seen pop stars do it for the last 10 years or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's changed now. You don't think way. Pepsi gives them a briefcase of money? I don't think so, man. Mm. 
know. Who that would that you mean? like to see in a yeah, Super Bowl? That's what I was wondering. I don't know. Show. Uh, uh, Spice Fighters? Girls? Foo Fighters? Foo Fighters? Yeah. Well, how about a good rock band? When's Didn't the last the Foo good Fighters rock band show up at one one year or something like that? Maybe. I kind of felt like Dave Grohl was was rocking a guitar or something like. Involved yeah, in involved one. in one. Yeah. Metallica is is mine. Okay. I'd like to see Metallica do a Super Bowl halftime show. You know what is? We haven't talked about the Grey Cup at all because CFL won, but. Yeah. Nickelback at the CFL halftime show, like back in, I don't know, 09 or 08 or whenever it was. Okay. Like, I'm not like a huge Nickelback lover and or hater. You know, yeah, like they I'm get on, a lot of hate. I'm with you on that. They get a lot of love. But yeah. like, I thought that halftime show was awesome. Like, I was like, dude, this, they're rocking right now. I hear they're really good live. Yeah. Everyone, everyone who I know is a fan of Nickelback says they're one of the best live performances. I mean, there's a lot of haters, too. That music fills up an arena, right? Just that slow, chunky rock, you know? Yeah. A lot of low end in it. Um, What did you think of the game? I I thought it was... I thought it was very... um, It went... I'm not going to say it went exactly how I thought it was going to go because I did take San Francisco partly because I was really rooting for my buddy Rich there. I really wanted him to get his team to get that way. But I did have a feeling that Mahomes was so good that he'd find a way to pull it out at some point at the end. And do I like seeing that? I do like seeing that. That Backstreet Boy Jimmy Garoppolo, does he look like a winner to you? So I like when he got the ball back with two minutes left, uh, just over two minutes left in that game, I was like, do I think he can bring the team down and score? Yes. Really? I did. And I don't know. Maybe that was just because he used to be a Patriot, and I have seen him make some big plays and some big moments. Huh. And uh, I have other friends who were like, no, no way. Not going to happen. I didn't. I didn't. I'm, I was one of those guys. Yeah. I didn't have the confidence in him. Yeah. The Backstreet Boy. He's pretty, man. Jimmy Garoppolo is a pretty dude. Is he not? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Good How good is that Super Bowl 100 uh, commercial when it's like Joe Montana and Steve Young and they're like hanging out and they're like, hey, get our bags. And yeah. it's Garofalo and he's got like their suits <laughs> and stuff. I thought that was probably the best part of that commercial. Yeah, it was a good commercial. Uh, well, that's really all. I- oh, uh, Oscars are up this weekend. Yeah. Oscar. Uh, Oscar ceremony. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's going to win Best Picture? Who do I think is going to win or yeah. who do I want? Who to do win? you want to win? Who do you think is going to win Best Picture? <sighs> I think that 1917 is going to win Best Picture. Hmm. I, I I think it's between that and um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hmm. Um, I want Jojo Rabbit to win it. Is that your favorite picture that you've seen uh, of the Best Picture nominated movies? Jojo Rabbit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've almost seen all of them now. We still got to watch Parasite, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, Korean one. Mm-hmm. Um Art and I watched Little Women last night with a bunch of people, and uh, I thought I was all right. You liked it. He was like, you should have seen Caleb. I was surprised by it. He's watching this movie, and like 10 minutes into the music, I'm digging this. Five minutes after that, I'm digging this. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just meh about it. I was, meh. It was bottom tier of the- It's because it didn't have Iron Man in it, Art. It's true. It's true. (laughs) I had I got into this conversation with uh, my program director here, Mark uh, Zer. We were talking about movies that are rewatchable. Like you have, I feel like that has to be brought into the conversation when you're looking at these best picture movies. How many of those movies that we've watched this year would you go, yeah, I'd like to rewatch that movie? That's that's partially right? it that, has to be it has to be put in there. That's partly why I like Jojo Rabbit, but you still can't. I I don't think. Like, you can use that as curriculum to mark a movie because some movies, like, if it's that good and it leaves an impact, like 12 Years a Slave. I never want to see that movie ever again. Yeah. Right? But it's a good movie. Yeah. You know? I know. I don't want to go sit through, like, Schindler's List. I'm I'm not like, oh, what am I going to do today? I'll I'll throw on Schindler's List. Right? But it's a great movie. It's got impact to it, and it's well done. Yeah. And it's storytelling, and it's tragic, right? It makes you feel. Yeah. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I just, I do like movies that are rewatchable, though. Like when I look back at some movies that are like, when I see them on TV, I'm just like, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Gladiator, right? Gladiator's one. Shawshank Redemption's another one. 
you know, goodwill hunting, like uh, Forrest Ingl- Gump, Inglorious Bastards, The Departed. I will. It doesn't matter where they are in these movies. The Departed is. I'll so sit good. there and watch it. So, what if any of these movies that are up for Best Picture nomination are on TV? Or is it the same way this year? Jojo Rabbit for me, it is. Okay, that's the one that I would say definitely. Yeah. The other ones, maybe not. Yeah. I might want watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again, but I watched that pretty closely and I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I think there's scenes in there that I really like. Yeah. Like I really, there are a lot of scenes. Uh, some scenes that drag on too long for me. Uh, uh, Nineteen Seventeen, I think, will win Best Picture. Yeah, I, I think and so too. Do I think it should win Best Picture? I yes, because I think it's just so unique. It, I think it, it's it going to really win Best is, Cinematography. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I don't think it's that unique because we've seen. Where, we've where seen have that we seen style. Like that. Where have we seen that? We've style? seen that style in uh, Birdman when they were making Birdman, the no cuts, right? Like that same idea. Yeah, but it's not a camera. war movie. I understand it's that a, we're not running through the trenches like the and whole... explosions and stuff happening, right? Yeah, but because whole... that's harder to do than you know the the Birdman. But like, it just feels like a shtick to me. It's like, ooh, look, we made this movie. We hid the edits. It's like, yeah, it looks great. It looks great. No one's arguing that. But yeah. is it best? Pick? Did I care about the characters in it? Absolutely not. It was predictable, simple story. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Here we go. Not the best year for movies, really. No, I thought last year was better than this year, I would say. And maybe the year before was better, too. So Green Book won last year. Do you think right. Green Book's better than any movie you've seen so far mm-hmm. this year? I don't know if it's better than Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I'd... I'd rewatch it though. Definitely, I'd go back and watch it again. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't say I don't know. I don't know. Right, My the right. movies I like to watch don't get nominated. Guys, he's on the fence. The movies I like to watch don't get nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, that's why the Iron Man movies. No, I don't really like the Iron Man movies. <laughs> no, no, no. I was so mad. Are you a, a Thor, couple- bro? A Thor, bro? Yeah. Who's your Who's your boy in no, the like- Avengers? Cap? No, Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think his movies are the best. They're all of the movies that he like. That First he's one been in. suck with yeah. the red skull. Yeah, it's not, that, that movie's one, crap. Yeah, that one's not great. Yeah. But it's set up at least the, his character nicely. It set up his character nicely. Yeah. Um, Plus, but the- I was just mad a few years ago when the best pictures that I that I thought that year weren't even nominated. Like Logan, not nominated. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which I thought either of those movies were better than any of the movies that year that year that got. Best picture now. And uh, what was that one that um, it like came out right when Weinstein got in trouble and it was a Weinstein Wind River. Wind River. Yeah. yeah. That movie yeah. was awesome. Uh-huh. Florida Project, too. That might have been a different year, but yeah. Th- yeah, those were all good. Caleb Kirby, where can we find you? At Curbman23 on Twitter. You can find us at Between the S on Twitter. Also, email us at Between the Stammers at gmail.com at Art Aronson. Thank you.